This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts, and Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. We've got a guest on the show who has a very particular set of skills, skills he's acquired over a very long career, skills that make him a great guest for Money Talks. District Manager for Social Security, Sean Mercer, is with us. He can help you with your Social Security questions while Nancy and Ryder take your personal finance questions. Contact us by email. The address is money at mpbonline.org. Good morning, Nancy, and we welcome you back into the studio here at MPB. Glad to have you. Glad to see you in person. Um, we're in the second Monday in February. What financial news do you have for us today? Well, yes, Kevin, it is glad. Uh, I am very glad to be across the table from you. Um, a distance of probably six feet or more, don't you think? Oh, yes. Yes, yes. But it's nice to see you again. Well, the thing that's most interesting to me right now is the news that Facebook has been losing users. And, of course, that hit all of our tech stocks really hard when that news came out. But it's just a reminder when it comes to business, things are always changing. And I just remember when we grew up, Kevin Sears was all the rage, was a huge part of our economy. And now, you know, it's almost gone. Mm -hmm. And so things change. Whatever we think is the hot company now may not be the hot company in a few years. Facebook hasn't been around that long. You have to evolve as a business in order to survive. Um, does that influence your stock choices in any way? The it, it can. It should. Um, and sometimes what I see with folks is they buy a stock which they think is a blue-chip stock, and they hold it forever. And, of course, I like to be a, a long-term buy and hold, but at the same time, you need to keep revisiting to say, have things changed? And so we used to think about General Electric. It's just a great company and just a collection of all of these other companies. But conditions change for them. So be aware of that. Always go back and revisit those, particularly if you own individual stocks, because those companies could not be evolving like they should, and your value will go down. Uh, good morning, Ryder. We have a seat available for you when you feel comfortable and want to return to the studio, so we look forward to that. Uh, what financial news uh, caught your eye this week? Uh, good morning. I, I appreciate y'all keeping a, a seat available for me. But you know, with with, with Sean Mercer on the show, I, <laughs> th- sometimes I feel like sometimes I feel like he's got everything taken care of. We're, we're uh, just so, we're just decorations, <laughs> right? I know. I know. We'll, we'll provide a little commentary for here and there. But we are uh, tax season is upon us. Uh, everyone's favorite season of the year, of course, tax season because everything looks better afterwards. Um, January twenty fourth. We talked about this a little while ago. But that was the first day where filing was open, first day where you could actually file a return. Most people probably didn't have all the forms they needed, though, at that point. Uh, your W-2s, so your form from your employer showing how much they paid you, how much they withheld, if you had a 401k, things like that, that only came out January 31st. If you've got bank accounts, brokerage accounts, things like that, you'll get 1099s, and if you're owed 1099s from other sort of contract work, those are only due to be given to you or postmarked to you by February 15th. These are postmarked deadlines. You don't actually have to have it in your hands by then. 
So 1099s can show interest in dividend income, capital gains. They can also show some, depending on where it's coming from, it can, it can show some contract labor. And there are a few big changes this year, the big things like child tax payments last year and the, the last of the stimulus payments, which all came in 2021. Those were advanced payments given to folks, so that will be something that you have to look at and report, and that will affect your taxes this year if you received it. If you didn't receive it, but you did qualify for it, you can file for them now. Uh, the, the IRS is always uh, encouraging folks to do electronic payments. And uh, our guest, Sean, can, can provide a little more light on this, but if you receive Social Security benefits, you will get a special 1099 from the Social Security Administration, and they, and they say that, that those would have all gone out in January. I don't know the deadline for those. I don't know the, the specific date for those, but uh, it will be very interesting uh, to get a little more color from him on the tax implications of your Social Security. And Ryder, guess what? Kevin has already gotten his refund. Is that disgusting or what? Kevin, whoa, you that I am I, I'm personally shocked. That's 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 really that's really quick. That's really efficient. That's 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 good to hear that they're moving along. Uh, especially so early when fewer people have, you know, the main crush of filing really doesn't pick up until later, uh, maybe later March. Um, so, so hopefully, yeah, you, you heard it here. Get your filing in early, sign up for direct deposit, and you might get your money real quick. Exactly. And so I was lucky in that um, <clears throat> the 1099s I got, although I, I read somewhere that if you if you look at your statement from December, it would have the same information in terms of, I have a savings account, so I was looking for interest mm-hmm. earned. Uh, but anyway, I got the 1099s in there. Uh, I think I actually started the, the uh, online the day that you could, you know, begin, they begin to be accepted. And then the, on February 2nd is when the um, money hit my account. So I'm very happy with uh, e-filing and direct deposit. It does speed things up. That's for sure. Um, So Kevin, lunch today? (laughs) Sure. Why not? (laughs) Uh, We welcome Sean Mercer to the program. He is a popular and frequent guest on Money Talks to help you with your social security information. Sean got a couple of callers on the line, but first, if you would give us uh, uh, the uh, four on ssa.gov. What can folks find at uh, Social Security's website? Good morning, everybody. Uh, yeah, socialsecurity.gov, ssa.gov. Always want to make sure our listeners out there uh, go to either site and make sure it's .gov. And that's not only with Social Security, but any federal agency, if you're dealing with the IRS, the VA, or whatever, .gov is your last uh uh, thing to type in there. So if you go to socialsecurity.gov, uh, you can file a claim, you can uh, create a My Social Security account, get tons of information. That's really, in today's time, the easiest way, and it's right at your fingertips, whether you're playing on your phone or you're on your iPad at home or at a, uh, a desktop computer, how we, you know, just see you know, most people going there to get information is really a neat site, really easy to navigate around on. I tell people all the time, if you can't find what you're looking for, top uh, of the page is a search engine, comes up, all you need to do is type something in there, and it really is pretty good about taking you to uh, what you uh, want to find. So retirement, disability, SSI, Medicare, our online services, you can actually file a claim, you can file a disability claim, file a retirement claim, all of that can be done online. So 
tons of business being able to uh, be done over the Internet. And that's not just something that we at Social Security said, hey, we're just going to force people to do that. It's actually something that the public has demanded that they want to be able to do business with us 24 hours a day at their convenience. And so it's kind of something, as Nancy mentioned a while ago, things change. And I can remember years ago when it was very big for us to do a telephone appointment versus somebody having to come into the office. Well, we've progressed even further past the telephone appointment now where people, they don't even want to talk to us. They want to file online, and then we follow up with a brief telephone call after that to, uh, you know, just verify some information. So as things change, we as an agency are trying to keep up with that and provide those services www.socialsecurity.gov is the website. Sean, um, I've had some people tell me during the pandemic, and maybe it's because many of your employees are have been working remotely, that um, as they have tried to schedule an appointment to talk to someone, that there's quite a delay before they can get to that appointment time. Depending on where it is, there could be delays there, depending on how the offices are backed up. And we have different times of the year where we may, you know, right now is a busy time. A lot of people filing for retirement after the first of the year. And so uh, first of the month is always busy. So depending on what office, you know, there's over a 1,000 offices nationwide, depending on what the uh, uh, situation may be there, uh, is they may be backed up a little bit. Uh, but I would encourage people to file online if they're comfortable doing that. If not, then we are doing those scheduled appointments that, uh, hey, you know, we can call you, you know, on a certain date at a certain time and schedule those. We're taking your Social Security questions this morning. There's all kind of information from SSA.gov. At the top of their page is the Emergency Assistance for Homeowners and Renters. We'll have more on that next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. You're listening to Money Talks. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past Money Talks broadcasts. Also, you can download the MPB Public Media app and listen on your iPhone or Android phone to all the local MPB Think Radio programs on demand. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lottridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. When you visit ssa.gov, at the top of the page is emergency assistance for homeowners and renters. If you're a renter, a homeowner, or a landlord, look through that information to see if you qualify for help. Our guest today is Sean Mercer, District Manager for Social Security. Thanks for holding Rick from... Um, Olive Branch, you're up first, so go ahead, please. Uh, yeah, Mr. Mercer, uh, I got a question about a situation. Um, 
several years ago, uh, I had uh, surgery done, had a hip replaced, and uh, I had to go on disability. And I was on disability about three years and then started the uh, work program to ease my way back into work. And then I got a letter saying that uh, I was going to be removed from disability. And I, I, I settled with that, and I said, okay. Well, the next month, uh, um, another a check got deposited into my account. I called them and said I thought I was being kicked off of this, and they said, well, it probably hadn't taken effect yet. Um, next month, got another one. Called them again. Next month, got another one. I went to the office here in Olive Branch to talk to them to tell them what was going on. And nobody could ever give me any answers of why they, they were uh, still coming. And they came, uh, kept coming for almost a year, and then they quit. And then about a month or so after they quit, uh, they sent me a bill for $25,000. And ever since then, um, they've been keeping my tax return uh, if I had anything that was coming back. And I'm getting close to retirement, and my question, evidently there's obviously nothing I can do about the overpayment, but how is that going to affect when I finally get to retirement age? All right, unfortunate situation there, and I'm sure there's a lot of information that we don't need to discuss on the air here, but to answer your question is that if there's an outstanding debt, uh, we are going to be trying to collect that. So if you get to retirement age and there's still some outstanding debt that you owe Social Security, you can negotiate that with us to have some withheld out of that. The reason they're withholding a tax return or anything like that is because there's not a regular payment being made on the debt, and so it's actually left us and gone to Treasury. It's kind of out of our hands now, and that's the reason they may be going after a tax return or something like that. But if you start receiving benefits and that overpayment is still on there, you can work with them about having a portion of that check being withheld to repay anything that may be left on the overpayment. The only good news I have for you this morning is, is there's no interest added to that. Unlike some other federal agencies that have some very steep interest rates, your debt with Social Security doesn't have any interest. So uh, uh, stay, on, stay on top of that and be aware. And then whenever you start retirement benefits, talk with them up front about that to see if there's any outstanding debt that should be on your record from your old disability claim and go ahead and see about negotiating maybe a small portion coming out uh, to pay that back then. Good question. All right. All right, sir. Thank you for the info. Yes, sir. Thanks, uh, Rick, for your call. So th that is, uh, we, we get questions about getting off of disability uh, surprisingly often. Uh, Sean, could you talk a little bit more about when you get off disability, why people would get off of disability, how that process works? And, and like Rick, unfortunately, ended up receiving a year's worth of payments, which he then had to pay back. You know, how, how would he know which are the actual payments he's supposed to pay back? It, that seems very complicated, and people have been very frustrated about that in the past. Right. It is a complicated when something goes bad with that. Um, for most people who start, uh, we have all types of work incentives programs, and we have a nine-month trial work period where we work with individuals that are out there working. And let's say that uh, you yourself, Ryder, have been on disability for several years but decide that you can go back into the workforce. The way it should work is 
for nine months, we track you and your wages. You call in to say, hey, I'm going to work at ABC uh, Construction Company, and I'm going to be making uh, $2,000 a month. We start tracking that. For nine months, you can make the 2000 It doesn't bother anything. At the end of that nine months, and we explain that to you, you are not due any more payments. Even though a few payments may come after that, we've explained the nine-month trial work period to you. And at the end of that nine months, uh, we should be terminating the benefits because of your work. And then you have the option of maybe keeping Medicare for up to a possible 60 months uh, and paying the premium there. So it is a lot of communication back and forth with your local office to work with people, and uh, we, we try to keep that process as uh, easy as possible, but it is pretty technical, and getting all those wages turned in timely for us to be able to record that, because we can't just assume you're going to make the 2000 the next month. We have to actually get verification from that. Sometimes there's a lag between somebody turning that in or an employer turning that in. But if any of our listeners out there are interested in that, they need to contact their local office and talk with them sooner rather than later because unfortunately most of the time what we have is someone doesn't really come up front and tell us about the information timely and then we're always working on catch up and in fact they may already be through their nine month trial work period so we're actually starting out with an overpayment uh, when we first talk with them but talking with your local office sooner rather than later and getting us that information will help that process go forward. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio, visiting today with Sean Mercer, District Manager for Social Security. Up next, we have Terry in Tupelo. Terry, it's your turn. Go ahead, please. Hi, this uh, question is for Sean. I just have a couple of questions. One, I'm looking at early retirement at 62. Uh, What's the maximum amount that I can make in income on the commercial side, I guess? Uh, Is that net or gross? And also, do I pay Social Security taxes on that amount if I've already taken my Social Security early at 62? All right. Good question there, Terry. And so the earnings limit for someone to go on uh, early retirement goes up a little bit each year. And this year, it's $19,560. So if you're going to make over $19,560, then we may need to hold some of your Social Security checks because you're taking it prior to your full retirement age. That is gross wages or net self-employment. So it depends on how, you know, what category you're in there. So when uh, you talk with someone, file your claim online, someone follows up and uh, talks with you about that and you uh, say that, yes, I'm self-employed, but uh, I only expect to make $18,000 next year uh, net after all your deductions, then you would be okay, not any uh, checks being withheld there. So it does depend on gross wages or net self-employment for your first question. Your next question is a very good one there, is do you still pay Social Security taxes on that? In the example that we just gave, if you're going to make the $18,000 net self-employment as you continue to work, And the answer is yes. As long as an individual is working, he or she will keep paying into Social Security even though they may be drawing benefits. And those wages or net self-employment aren't just 
thrown away, they are looked at each year to see if those wages or net self-employment could replace or add to one of the wages, some of the year's wages that we've used in your computation to uh, see if it could possibly increase your benefit. So depending on who it is out there, what you paid in through the years, when we look at your retirement benefits, we're using your highest 35 years of earnings. So it may be a possibility that it could replace one of those. And it doesn't make a, usually one year doesn't make a big difference in the amount of benefits that you draw because it's only one thirty-fifth of the computation. But to answer your question, your second question is yes, you still pay Social Security taxes on any wages or net self-employment that you continue to make after you may already be receiving retirement benefits. Thank you, Sean. Thanks, Terry, for your questions. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Sean Mercer, District Manager for Social Security, our guest. Staying on the phone lines next, we're going to say good morning to Mary in Mobile. Go ahead, Mary. You're on the air with us. Uh, Good morning, Sean. Um, I have a question. Um, My husband died in 2016. At that point, I was not at retirement age, but I took his benefits as a widow, widow's benefits. Um, I'm at full retirement now, but I'm waiting until 70 to switch over to my uh, Social Security. Now, that's what they told me at the time I could do. Take yours, take my husband, who passed away, until I was ready to take my own. Um, then I had a girlfriend who became a widow, and she said they don't do that anymore. I hope I'm not going to have any trouble when I turn 70. No, ma'am. That is that You are correct in that if your benefit off of your own record will ever be higher than your husband's benefits that you're drawing as a widow's, we would allow you to change benefits. Uh, You know, the old rule of thumb is once you take benefits, you're kind of locked into those for life, and that is unless we're talking about a widow or widower, and that, that is gender neutral there. It could be either or. But for some individuals, your benefit may never be higher than what his would be. So uh, you may, um, you know, want to check. Usually we try to give people uh, an example of what that would be there uh, to see if you could draw those benefits. But to answer your question, yes, that is still something that we do, but it is on a case-by-case basis to make sure that that individual will be drawing a higher benefit off of their record at a certain age. And, Sean, with uh, widow's benefits, that's also age-specific. Is that right? So you get a percentage depending on your age? That is correct. The earliest you can take widow or widower's benefits are at age 60. And so once you start that, uh, that is a percentage, and it keeps increasing each year uh, as you wait. So um, a person maybe uh, that loses a spouse at 63 would draw a slightly higher amount because of their age when they started those benefits. And we always look for someone who's over age 62 to look at their own record first and then look at the the widow or widower's benefit. So we're looking always to see if we can pay at the highest amount on someone's record there. anytime someone gets ready to draw. So we're always looking at age, marriages, and uh, wages or net self-employment paid in to see how high 
a benefit we can pay an individual based on their specific circumstances. All right. Well, thank you, Sean. I think I, I did check, and I think my benefit will be higher than what I'm getting currently now from my husband, John. Okay, good deal. All right, uh, Mary, thanks for your call this morning. We're learning about Social Security and taking your questions. How can you get help from Social Security? We'll remind you of some ways next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing the doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. Hanging on to a vehicle you can't drive feels like a dream where you try to run but can't. Rather than hit the snooze for another year, why not donate your car, truck, or other vehicle to MPB and wake up to great television and radio? Call 877-MPB-4-CAR or go to mpbonline.org support and click on Donate a Vehicle to support the programs you count on morning and evening. Now that's a good dream. Money Talks is MPB Think Radio's personal finance broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lottridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. Social Security's website is ssa.gov, and that's the best way to receive information. With coronavirus numbers still in the multi-thousands positive of tests each day, many employees are still working remotely. So if you can, use the website for your interactions with the organization, ssa.gov. Back to the phone lines we go. Next, we're going to talk with Raymond N. McGee. Raymond, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Uh, I'm a dollar. From Louisiana, and uh, I had I will be retiring uh, probably about September, and uh, I'm a little concerned about what was uh, the uh, the person or the representative from the Social Security be trying to talk me into, or what will they not tell me? Uh, what do I need to know when I go to sign for retirement? Okay, Raymond, I was having a little trouble hearing your initial question, but I think what you asked was you're getting ready to uh, retire at age 62 and maybe what would you need to know or what would we be trying to do. At Social Security, we're not trying to do anything other than tell you what your benefits would be. Probably the number one question we get is when's the best time to retire, and unfortunately that's not a question that we can answer because it's different for everyone we talk to. Our job is to be able to tell you what we can do for you based on the scenario that you give us. And a lot of people ask us, well, what if I take it at 62? What if I wait till 63? Or what about my full retirement age? And it's not a decision. I'll be retiring at 70. Sir? I'll be retiring at 70. So if you wanted to wait till age 70, then there's really no reason for you to wait past age 70. Uh, because there's no increase in benefits, and we do have some people that wait because you've gotten your 
uh, increase in benefits, and that is the maximum amount that you could draw. And it doesn't get any higher, basically, because that's when it kind of caps out. So uh, you sound like you've got every, all your homework done and uh, just need to wait till age 70 and start those benefits being direct deposited for you. All right, Dobre. Okay, I'm just, a little, I'm just a little concerned about what they'll be talking, trying to talk me into or what they won't tell me uh, when I retire at 70. Nothing. There's not anything. You're one of those easy claims that's going to be, uh, we just need a uh, bank account to send your benefits to because uh, you've paid in, you know, um, everything, and there's really no point in waiting past that because there's no benefits. So uh, we would just start your uh, benefits being direct deposited for you. Um, I would also say that a lot of people think when you retire and when you start taking Social Security benefits are the same thing, and that's not necessarily the case. And so it depends on do you have other sources of income or do you need to draw your Social Security benefits when you do retire and stop working. So we always talk to people about that confusion and thinking, as soon as I retire, I have to start drawing those benefits, not necessarily. We look at the whole situation. What other income do you have? Do you have a pension? Do you have other resources that you can delay? Like this gentleman at age 70, that is a perfect time to draw because you've gotten that guaranteed 8% compound of your benefit through those years. So if you can afford to do that, it's great. All right, uh, Raymond, thank you for your call. And, and Nancy, I would say, you know, Raymond was saying what would Social Security tell him in terms of w when to retire and that sort of thing. And, and as Sean mentioned, that's not their job. But right. as a financial planner, that's right up your alley. Yeah, that's something we talk to people about and look at their whole situation. And um, I, I will say my experience working with clients who've dealt with Social Security is that the people they talk to at Social Security are just trying to figure out what's the highest benefit that you can be paid by looking at your whole situation. Thanks for holding Mark in Madison. It's your turn, so go ahead. Uh, yes, sir, Mr. Mercer. Uh, at the top of the show, you, of course, gave the uh, Social Security website. And uh, I, too, have had questions about, uh, you know, what's my full retirement age and what's my maximum I can earn if I keep working when I retire. And while I've been listening to folks talk, I went on the website and actually got found answers to all my questions. So I have a new question now, which is, what would be a reason, since we can go to the website and get answers to our questions, pretty much, uh, everything folks that have called in and asked, there's an answer to it on the website. So what is a reason for someone uh, to go into the Social Security office? Is there a requirement for some folks that they have to come in? Because you know, if you can get answers to your questions on the website and file your claims on the website, what is a reason to go into the Social Security office? Good question, Mark. And it's, uh, currently, our office are still, offices are still closed to walk-in traffic, just someone walking in off the street. But we do have dire need or critical appointments where we are seeing people on a daily basis. One of the examples of that may be someone who needs a new, someone who doesn't have a Social Security number and they need a number issued, or someone who may have filed a claim online and something happened with their claim where we had a question that that individual may have what we call an, an anomaly with their claim and we need to see you. So Mark filed a claim online and everything looks right, but we want to make sure that 
this is Mark on the other end of that uh, internet, and we may have to ID that person. So we may have Mark come into the office at a scheduled date and time and talk with him and see a, a, a photo ID and make sure that we're dealing with who we think we're dealing with. There and be a, not we, everyone has Internet access. That is correct. Yes. So but, uh, we are doing telephone appointments. So, uh, and our uh, offices are answering their phone lines at all 23 offices in Mississippi on a daily basis. So we do realize, especially here in Mississippi with limited Internet access, that not everybody has uh, Internet capability or may, they may not want to do their business over the Internet. But almost everyone has a telephone and being able to call that office and talk with the individual and most of what we can do now that we don't require pen and ink signatures on most documents, that can be done over the telephone. So to get back to Mark's question, there is a lot of information being able to be done over the Internet, but being able to do a lot more uh, business over the telephone, and then we may require that person to come in for a dire need or critical appointment, and if so, we would schedule that with their local office. And, Sean, I want to just say I'm so thrilled by the new presentations online and in statements that show graphs of every age in between 62 and 70. You used to just get information about early uh, retirement at 62 and then full retirement age and 70, but what that shows you is that every month you delay, you increase your benefit by I think two-thirds of 1%. Every year you delay, that is an 8% compound return. Yes, and so I uh, want to put a plug in for our My Social Security account. So when everybody logs in to our uh, homepage, in the bottom left-hand corner is a My Social Security account. So for our listeners out there that don't have one, it takes just a little while to sign up for that. I have one myself. You don't get a lot of emails from Social Security. I basically get one or two emails a year. Most of the time I get the email reminding me it's been 12 months since I looked at my Social Security statement. I've usually forgotten my password. I have to request that. But uh, it is great when you look at that Social Security statement. You can print it out at your home uh, computer if you want to keep a hard copy. But there's just a lot of information there that tells us about what we would draw based on age 62 and for most of our callers out there today you have seen the questions run from widow's benefits up to full retirement age plus those who wanted to wait till age 70 so when you look at that social security statement it gives you all of your information and you can use that in your financial planning and kind of be ready to do business with us at whatever time you choose to All right, Mark, we appreciate your call. Glad that you found the information you needed at ssa.gov. We stay on the phone lines next and talk to Valerie in South Haven. Good morning, Valerie. Go ahead, please. Hi. uh, Good morning. I'm calling because I'm drawing disability, and I'm 60, and I've been drawing it for about five years. And I'm wondering, um, if I want to go back to work, how many hours can I do before they take me off of disability, or how much can I make? And when I turn 62, is it going to go straight to automatically to retirement, or do I have to file retirement? Okay, so Valerie, if I'm understanding, you're already drawing disability, and so if you go to work, you need to contact your local office, and let's look and see what you're making. 
when we talk about substantial gainful activity, that's about $1,350 a month. So we're looking to see, you know, what you would be making up to that point and looking at your work. And it's not necessarily the number of hours. It may be the amount of money that you're making. So you need to work with your local office there, and let's make sure that we've got that documented and that we're keeping up and you're turning in monthly what you're making if you're wanting to go to work and they can explain that a little more to you about the nine month trial work period and what counts there. So sooner than later, if you're wanting to go to work and talking with your local office there. To answer your question about it converting over to retirement, that does happen, but it's not until your full retirement age. So not at age 62 in your case, it's going to be uh, somewhere uh, between age 66 and 67, depending on your uh, year of birth. So it will convert, but up until your full retirement age, you're still going to be subject to that uh, substantial gainful activity amount. So you, if you decide to go back to work, you need to be talking with your local office up until your full retirement age. After your full retirement age, uh, you are actually retired on our records, and the work is not an issue uh, as far as uh, your benefits at that point. Okay, thank you. Thanks for your call, Valley. Go ahead. And then, Sean, you said that she converts to uh, the retirement benefit at her full retirement age. Is that automatic, or would she still have the opportunity to delay that until age 70, or even, or even if she moved off of disability, you know, just waiting, you know, not not taking any benefits at all, and then delaying all of that till age 70, it, and would that have any benefit to doing that? So I think there's two different questions there. In her case, it would be automatic the date she turns full retirement age. On our records that night, she goes from uh, disability to retirement because she's drawing benefits. When you start drawing disability, it is your unreduced benefit at the time you start drawing based on what you've worked and paid in. So when she became disabled four or five years ago, if I remember her question uh, or her scenario, she drew the maximum amount based on what she had paid in up until the day she became disabled. Now, if she stopped and got off of disability and then continued to work, then yes, she could delay retirement. We, don't, we aren't gonna force her to file for retirement, so if she did that right now, and in this case, I believe she's age 60, so let's say she went back to work full-time, stopped her benefits, and then she worked until age 70, then she could start again drawing her age 70 amount based on what she had worked and paid in. So two couple of different scenarios there that you mentioned. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We're visiting today with uh, District Manager for Social Security, Sean Mercer. We're talking about Social Security with Sean Mercer. How do you stay up to date with Social Security information and tips? We've got some information for you next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio.
Do you drive a vehicle? Then you'll find AutoCorrect helpful, especially on Coach Charlie's Tip of the Week. Listen to our podcast with me, Coach Charlie Melton, on any podcasting platform or on the MPB Public Media app. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. We're pleased you found our show Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lottridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Here's a program reminder. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m., listen live to In Legal Terms right here on MPB Think Radio. If you're the kind of person who likes to stay up to date with tidbits of information, you might consider following Social Security on social media. There are tweets about current events, protecting your identity, and reminders on what Social Security is all about. We've been visiting this hour with our guest district manager, for Social Security, Sean Mercer. Sean got a couple calls left to get to, so we start again. Warren's on the road and has called in today. Good morning, Warren. You're on the air with us. Hi, Warren. Are you with us? Warren, last chance. If you've got a question, you need to talk to us right now. All right. Let's move on then. Uh, Let's go to Ann in West Tennessee. Ann, thanks for calling in today. Go ahead. Thank you so much. Um, my husband and I are both fully retired. We have separate retirement IRA funds. And um, my question is, can a hospital or nursing home um, take part or all of our funds for payment if one of us incurs um, bills? If, if we don't, you know? Right. For Um, unable to pay? Yes. um, You've got an interesting situation. First of all, they don't take it. It's just that you may be required to pay for yourself, and you may have to spend down assets. Now, what you're talking about um, can get very confusing, and I think you do need to visit with an elder law attorney. Uh, There's one that we've had on the show, Rick Courtney, and you can then discuss what what would happen if one of you has to go into nursing home care. Understand that um, there is some benefit under Medicaid to pay for nursing homes if you have limited income and limited assets, but it can be by individual. So consult with an attorney. Okay. Thank you so very much, and thank you for all of your your wonderful programming. Thank you. Thanks, Ann, for the kind words, and thanks for listening to uh, MPB Think Radio. We're visiting today on Money Talks with District Manager for Social Security, Sean Mercer. Uh, Sean, earlier in the show, Ryder had mentioned uh, 1099 forms and said, uh, should uh, Social Security recipients of any kind be receiving a 1099 form? Uh, Yes, we're held to the same guidelines as all the other financial institutions that uh, send out, so we have to have that done by the end of January. So people should, we send out a 1099 to everyone. So I tell people all the time that you need to make sure your address is correct with Social Security, number one, to get the 1099, but also Medicare pulls your address from Social Security, and so you get some important Medicare information or your cost of living increase uh, information at the end of the year. So even though your checks go direct deposit, uh, we want to make sure that that physical mailing address is correct for that information as well. 
The other thing is that uh, if you have a My Social Security account, you can go in and print out that 1099 at any time. So uh, another reason to have that for individuals who uh, may need to uh, get another one or a new one, we uh, do uh, start sending replacements out for individuals who have lost, didn't receive, or whatever after February the 1st. Uh, but if you have a My Social Security account, it's literally there at your fingertips, and you can do that at your home and print it out right there. And so uh, what other kind of uh, benefits or uh, uh, things can someone who's uh, currently receiving benefits from Social Security do with that My Social Security account? So if you already are receiving benefits, you can set up or change your direct deposit. As we mentioned, get the 1099 uh, you could print a benefit verification letter. Let's say you needed proof of your income for a reason. Uh, you can change your address. I tell people all the time it's kind of like online banking. So if you you are used to doing online banking, why wouldn't you do this with your Social Security account and have that? For people like myself who are not receiving benefits, why do I need a My Social Security account? And the biggest thing is, is to get that uh, a statement, print that out once a year, but also I could get a replacement Social Security card based on my information. If it matches with what I have on my driver's license and my mailing address and everything is correct on there and it all is all uh, matching, then I can get a replacement Social Security card mailed to my home address through my, a My Social Security account if I'm not changing anything on my uh, uh, Social Security number. So if I just need a replacement card, I can do that. So it's uh, easy to sign up, and it goes through a little bit of a verification process. And so all of our listeners need to think about having one. And if it's a husband and wife out there, each of you both need an account because it's two separate pieces of information there. And if you're within 10 years of retirement, we encourage everyone we visit with to have one of those accounts so that you know what those exact numbers will be because Social Security benefits will be a large part of your retirement. And that's just something you should be doing as you prepare for that big day. Sean, just curious, has the look of the Social Security card changed much over the years? No, it has not. Uh, it's still the small card. You know, several years ago, they looked at making it 8.5 by 11, and there was a, such an expense with that. And the reason they did that is because you should not carry that card. But yet we issue it in, for lack of a better term to describe it, credit card size, where, boy, it makes it really easy to carry in your wallet or your purse. That's not the case. Really, the only time you have to show your Social Security card is for employment or possibly to open up a bank account at a financial institution. The other reason may be that there's other forms of di- other forms of ID that may you may be able to uh, turn in or submit. But for a lot of our listeners out there, they're carrying that card with them. Or worse yet, for a lot of our female listeners out there, not only do they have their card, but they also have the card for all their children. So if something happens, they've lost three or four cards. So. Uh, the, the look of the card hasn't changed very much at all. Uh, we do uh, tell people to put it up in a safe place somewhere and keep it. It's not something that you want to be carrying around in your purse or your wallet on a daily basis. You only need that for certain specific situations. Now, you may need your number, and you need to be careful as to when you give that number out 
Uh, not everybody that asked for the number may need the number. There may be some other uh, information or other forms of ID that you can give them that will suffice instead of the Social Security number. Unfortunately, you know, identity theft is a ever-increasing problem out there for everyone, so we just want to be as safe as we can with our number and who and where we give that number out to. You know, I would think it's kind of fun always to go back and look at my Social Security card because I was, I don't know, what, 9, 10, 11 years old, and to see my handwriting is uh, kind of funny. And was like, gosh, I actually had decent handwriting back, oh, 50-plus years ago. And, and, one of the, and one of the things while we're on here is you should not laminate the card. We should, you know, because if we're ever having to look at that card, uh, we may have to check it under light to see some of the uh, engraving or something on that. So... You know, don't laminate the card uh, trying to save it because if you put it up in a safe place, it's not something that we're handling every day, uh, and uh, you wouldn't, you don't need to laminate it. Sean, we always appreciate you coming on the air with us. Great information, as always. Uh, and that is going to wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from listeners. To hear today's show or previous show, you can visit moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast by searching for Money Talks on your preferred podcasting app. Our show is produced by Liz Gill, and our call screener today was Java Chapman. So for Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, Ryder Taff, and our guest Sean Mercer, I'm Kevin Farrell. Join us Tuesdays at 9 a.m for Money Talks, heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.